Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and I am here with a special guest here today. We have a, with us a new mom with a one-year-old baby who is, well, shall we say, still adapting to the new role of mom in the time of coronavirus. So welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. We're going to do a little coaching session today because people seem to enjoy listening to me coach on what I think is a very common issue. And so those of you whose kids have outgrown the uh, new mom stage, you actually still might benefit from this because some of the things we're going to talk about is the need for approval, which is a pretty universal thing. So why don't you start with how it's showing up for you that uh, with your husband at home? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so the dyna- dynamic in our home is that my husband uh, works full time and he has uh, a pretty demanding job uh, with the Air Force. And oftentimes I find myself feeling like I better be sure that I'm pulling my weight. I better be sure that uh, I'm taking care of things at home and uh, doing so without complaint and and keeping things just staying right on top of things, keeping the house tidy and the meals cooked nicely. And I, I pour my heart out trying to do that. So at times when my husband will come home from work and uh, his personality is such that he tends to notice the thing that's out of place instead of all the things that are in place. And when he will make a comment about the spaghetti being a touch al dente or uh, maybe the carrots were cooked too long or something like that, I, I feel very defeated that his attention was drawn to the thing that uh, didn't get all of my attention. And I feel that I somehow am not living up to who his mother was as a cook, or I, I tend to internalize those comments instead of affirming myself and, and recognizing the effort that it took with a very active one-year-old to get dinner on the table in the first place. So that's my struggle and mm. um, trying to really learn how to appreciate myself and appreciate the effort that I know that I'm putting forward, whether or not it gets met with appreciation in a way that I understand. Yeah. And I, I, this is so great that you're saying this because I think so many of us, we intellectually understand that I need to appreciate myself for the effort that I'm putting in. And that sounds like reasonable enough, right? Like, so then I should just do it. <laughs> but the problem is we can think something and it doesn't mean we feel it. It doesn't mean we integrate it. Hmm. And that's where like, we can understand like, yeah, I should be grateful for what I have. Then why am I angry all the time? <laughs> you know, there's just this disconnect between like hmm. what we know we want to feel and how do we break through that barrier to actually feel it? Yes. So, so that's where life coaching comes in. And yes, the parent education is out 
we already took care of that. <laughs> you know what you want, you know how to get it. So now we just got to figure out how to get it. And so when your husband comments on an imperfection, right? This wasn't done perfectly. This was subpar and doesn't recognize and appreciate. Hey, you know, you kept my baby alive another day. <laughs> hey, you got a shower in. Good on you, right? Like yes. all those things that we need to celebrate when we're a new mom. It Instead, he focuses on the one thing. The reason that bothers you is because of what you say to yourself inside your head about it. Yeah. It's what you make sense. it mean. Yes. And so if you were just appreciating yourself and like, oh, I'm such a great mom. I love that I can, you know, take a shower and keep my baby alive and like celebrating <laughs> the little minor milestones. If you were doing that, his comments wouldn't bother you. I yes. mean, you might be annoyed. You might be like, dude, <laughs> step out of it. Look at this awesome dinner. Yeah. The carrots are undercooked, but look, the chicken's overcooked. Like it wouldn't, <laughs> you might be annoyed, but you wouldn't bother you in the right. same way. Yes. And the reason it's, you said that kind of internalizing is because of what mm -hmm. you're making that mean about you. You had a sentence in there that was something like, like, I'm not living up to, mm -hmm. you were saying my mother-in-law, but I want to hear, mm. I want to hear a little more about this because I believe that inside of each one of us, we have this invisible manual on what a good mother should do. Hmm. And if I was a good mom and what I'm hearing and I'm writing notes on, I should keep a clean house, cook delicious meals perfectly every single time. I should stay on top of things. I should get my, to my projects. I shouldn't complain. I must pull my weight. I have to like, there's, you've got so many things written in this invisible manual on how to be a good mom that you probably didn't even realize you had. Yes. <laughs> it is an inner dialogue. I, I, remember one time when my mother-in-law was coming and I heard this voice really in the back of my head, almost like whipping me, you know, clean harder, clean faster, clean better. She's going to think this. And I realized that's not her voice. That voice is coming from inside of me, but it was the first time I really recognized that. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you're really onto something there. And a lot of my clients will say, how do I get rid of that voice? Yeah. And the way to get rid of it, is actually to build a relationship with it. Like uh -huh. to say, okay, whatever you want to call it, inner perfectionist, inner mean girl. I love that she's whipping you. It's like a drill sergeant, you know? Seriously. <laughs> so does it sound like a male or a female voice? That's a good question. I would say it sounds like a stern old woman. <laughs> okay. Stern old woman. What's she wearing? Oh, something frumpy. Yeah. Um, Almost, almost dressed in a like a a nun's uh, mm. gown, something like that. Yeah, I had a client who had a. Oh, she called her sister meanie pants. <laughs> she was oh. like this hardcore nun with the ruler. And she was just nasty and like you're doing everything wrong and nothing yeah. right. And and so she's got a whip. Apparently, what we want to do is we want to say, "Oh, hello, sister mm. meanie pants," <laughs> or yeah. whatever. Maybe Gertrude, yeah, Gertrude, the frumpy nun. Yes, you say, oh, hello, Gertrude has entered the building. And expect it, like every time your mother-in-law comes over or huh. is about to come over, know that Gertrude is going to want to come and yes. she's going to want to step up and 
clean the house and like harp on you and nag you and tell you you're not doing enough. And so what you want to do is you say, hello, Gertrude. Her opinion is noted, but I got this. Like you're not running the show. Like you wow. can go, go out to the park, sit on a park bench and go nag the children for feeding the birds. I don't know. Go do something else. Right. <laughs> like your opinion is noted. I understand what you want to tell me, but Hmm. I do not want to feel the way you make me feel like I get to decide. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were not living up to your mother-in-law's standard, why would Hmm. that be so bad? Hmm. That's a good question. So I I feel like I'm already not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, uh, I think the, the fear is my husband being disapproving of me. And yet... I feel that I've, you know, I've not lived up to who she is or, or maybe even the wife that she would want for her husband, for her son, sorry. But even still, my husband loves me and I am working on not being so sensitive to those comments to, to take those to mean that I'm not living up or that uh, he disapproves of me so you're and you're doing a classic thing that we mamas do is uh, like we kind of start to say like understand intellectually that beating myself up isn't good so Mm. you're like I'm not going to be so sensitive I'm not going to do that anymore I'm going to be nice from here on out and we Mm. kind of push it away but really what we want to do is we want to dive in We want to figure out, well, what is it that's going on inside me that's creating Mm. the sensitivity, the emotions, the, like, why? And so that's a totally normal thing to do, but it doesn't help. It kind of just pushes it down and creates like Mm. anxiety. Right. So what's the worst thing that you are going to say to yourself about yourself Mm. if your husband disapproves of you? Hmm. That he made a mistake in marrying me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So even though Mm. you could rationally say like, Like, he loves me, everything's mm. great, that there's this underlying thought that you're trying not to think about that like, what if he made a mistake, you know? And so when Mm. you think that thought, how do you feel? Oh, um, fragmented, I would say. Oh, fragmented. Woo. Okay. Let's let's pause for a minute. She's out walking the baby. Can you guys hear her her baby and her <laughs> footsteps? She's out in the park. She found a way to get a break and not and still maintain social distancing. All right. So if you can kind of close your eyes for a minute and notice your mm. body and notice how it feels mm. when you think the thought he made a mistake. What's the emotion? Yeah. Mm. I would say it's a lot of stress and compression and pulling in my heart area and Mm -hmm. almost like it's pulling to different parts of my body, just as if my body is in at war with itself, that Mm -hmm. I'm feeling different things and things are happening in different directions. So a bit of chaos. (laughs) Yeah. And so what this thought does is it evokes your fight or flight response. 
in the brain. Animals, we are aware. Like he made a mistake in marrying Mm -hmm. me. And that thought, that fear of rejection is so palatable for so many of us that Mm -hmm. it just pulls you. And then it's, you've got fight and flight. I think that's where the fragmentation comes in is you're Ah. not doing one. You're like, get me out of here. I want to run away, but you can't. And it's like pulling you in compression. Okay. Yes. But when you're thinking the thought, he made a mistake, but you're trying not to think it. How do you react? Mm. And he makes a comment wow. about your parents. Right. Um, that's a great point. I, I think there is that war of, um, I've been putting a lot of effort into just not caring. And so that's not really being honest with where I am at, that I really do care that I'm not a failure or I'm not a disappointment. So And that's really interesting, the fight or flight, because just in my history, I've, you know, at times coped with life by running away, um, (laughs) most often, actually. Um, But clearly, a marriage isn't something that you can run away from. And, and, you know, um, that doesn't fix anything. So I think I'm afraid to fight. Um, I'm afraid to stand up to what is causing me stress. And so I'm having to learn when fight or flight stress comes upon me to not operate in my old way of dealing with things. But I think what's happening then is I'm freezing. <laughs> and I'm not quite, you know, sure how to even cope with, you know, even when my mother in law comes the comments that she might make, which she's, I think she's a little more perceptive. And, and she's careful to, you know, say something thoughtful here and there. But even just facial expressions are things that I'll, I'll take and, and internalize also from her. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm trying to make it all just be okay. And even at times pretend that everybody's just as happy as can be. But then this voice inside me says, no, you're not, you know, don't fool yourself. So um, somehow I feel that there's a need to, to create distance between needing their approval, but how to do that um, you know, yeah, in the so moment. this is a great example. Okay. So I'm just going to repeat what I'm hearing. Okay. Great. Yeah. So your husband makes a comment about something being undercooked. Your mother-in-law makes a facial expression, right? Just Ooh, circumstances, okay. very neutral. Your thought is oh, you made a mistake. That thought sends you into fight or flight. You shouldn't have married me. I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing enough. You feel very insecure. Mm-hmm. and your brain's in this fragmented place. And so the way you react is you still are running away, but it's kind of like uh, avoiding huh. it. Yeah. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to be sensitive. I want everyone to be happy, right? That's still kind of a running away. Right. But then, like you said, the freeze response, which is kind of that internalizing of like, oh. But I think the result of that for you of acting that way is that it, I'm going to, go out on a limb here and, and just take a hunch is that that's what keeps you from saying like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, get hire a babysitter. I'm going to get a, take a break for myself. When we think we're not doing enough as a mom and we have to do more, we have to be perfect and we're not perfect. It keeps us stuck in the trying to be perfect rather mm. than the like, I need to go for a run. I need to get out of the house. I need to call my friend and reach out and socially connect with somebody because I'm feeling crappy. Instead, we just kind of like go inward Hmm. and we just like, no, it's all on me. I have to do more. I just have to try harder. I just have to be better. And it keeps us stuck in that same place. Yes. 
That makes sense. So you've got this thought that is triggering the fight or flight. It was like, what if he made a mistake and he shouldn't have married me? Can you hmm. see any benefit in continuing to think that? Hmm. No, <laughs> no, it's uh, it just causes cyclical thinking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we certainly know in this day and age that marriages are not for a lifetime, <laughs> 50% or whatever, right? right some yeah. make it, some don't, some because it's random luck, some because people just outgrow each other and their love mm. changes. Some people die, some people mm. change. Like we just have no idea what the future is going to bring. Yeah. We don't know if coronavirus will wipe us all out. Right. All we know is that right now, today, he is choosing to be married to you. Hmm. Right. And in the past, he made that choice. Hmm. And he's chosen it every day since that wedding day. Mm -hmm. Those are the facts. (sighs) Yeah, I can feel that. (laughs) When you say that, I can feel my chest expanding. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the reality, right? Tomorrow he might make a different choice, but today Hmm. that's his business. He gets, if he wants to change Hmm. his mind, he can change his mind, Hmm. but you get to focus on you. Hmm. How do you want to feel while you're choosing to be married to him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those who are listening, who are thinking, how do I get, how do I stop caring what other people think? it's all about our own internal dialogue it Mm. seems like it's our mom our mother-in-law our husband and like they're the problem if they could just be nice and loving and supportive Mm. i could feel good it really isn't it's always an inner dialogue that they just happen to trigger wow (laughs) i think sometimes i try to put responsibility for that inner dialogue on my husband or my mother-in-law, I, I sometimes go from feeling, um, I, I sometimes see myself as a victim and I think, well, if they were more perceptive or they paid more attention or if they were as tuned into me as I am into them, they would, you know, pick up on this. And so I, I see myself at times doing a bit of blame shifting there too, um, trying to make them responsible. And at times to me, it feels like an obvious thing. Um, one other aspect is that I'm Canadian and I, I find that um, Canadians can just be a little bit more sensitive or polite or um, not, mm. not that that's a value statement about Canadians or Americans, but I think there is a bit of a cultural difference. And, and my husband's family is very extroverted and everybody kind of speaks up for their own opinion. And mm-hmm. I sometimes feel lost in the shuffle of that. And I, I do, I, I find I come in with an expectation of, you know, we, we watch each other's facial expressions to see how we're doing. And does you know, is this feeling comfortable to the other person? Um, and so I do feel disappointed also to me feels like, um, so I'm having to take ownership also for my thoughts towards, you know, the show up at times as well. Yeah. You know, that thing that if you're right away, you point your finger and say, when every time you point your finger, there are three fingers pointing back at you. Yes. <laughs> you heard that yes. saying? That's so right. it's not that you're doing it wrong. It's just that they're there to point you 
back towards yourself and saying, like, maybe, like, I need to be more sensitive. I need to pay more attention to mm-hmm. myself, to the little things, to my feelings, yes. to my facial expressions, to, like, it's just, they're just triggering it. It feels like it's them because, of course, right. it would be super nice if we were surrounded by loving, peaceful. I mean, sur- like, I can't even tell you how life-changing it was for me to travel to a country where everyone was peaceful and serene and how much it affected me. There's definitely something to that, right? Like you're surrounded by angry people. Emotions are contagious, especially if you're very empathic, like I am. Right. Yes. So of course that you pick up on the other things from other people, but they... If you feel triggered by somebody, you want to look inward and say, okay, what is it inside me that it's triggering me that I need to clean up? Wow. And not by minimizing it or telling it needs to go away and not be there, Mm -hmm. but by diving in and say, why would I want to believe a thought like my husband made a mistake when he married me? Like, why would I Mm. choose that? Mm. Yes. Like, Why would I want to think that way? Right. And, you know, not to go too much into it, but when we do look back and we we can see a cause potentially for that kind of thought, is there a way to sort through it? I I believe the the root cause of that is that my father left when I was quite young. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, the the same thing is going to happen. So is, is is it wise to just dive back into that that memory and that issue to try to work through it? Or is it better just to choose a new thought, a new way of thinking? Well, let me tell you the difference between therapy and life coaching, because that's kind of what how I would answer that question. Great. So uh, therapists would take you back to that Mm -hmm. time and help you process the emotion while like having a a compassionate witness. Okay. Mm. So I always like to say, it's not very lovely, but like with therapy, like you get to dump your crap in someone's lap and they pet it and make you feel better. Right. Right. (laughs) It's lovely. And I would not deny it, but Mm. I, for me, like life coaching is focused more, less on the past and more on the present Mm. and future. And it doesn't matter so much. Maybe if you've never told your story to a compassionate witness, then for sure you need to tell it. But if Mm -hmm. you feel like, okay, I've told it once, you know, Mm -hmm. to a therapist, or I feel okay about it, I'm ready to move forward. Mm -hmm. Then life coaching is helpful because what we do is we take a look like, well, what was the belief that you picked Mm -hmm. up from that event that you're carrying forward that's still affecting you today? Mm -hmm. And then you're asking like, well, how do I undo that belief. Right. I'm actually doing it right now. <laughs> As we talk about it, kind huh. of bring it up to the surface and air it without the right. brain going into fight or flight. Wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're actually able to rewire the brain so that it doesn't need to run away from it. It's not bad. And and I don't know if you notice, I've stopped and made you feel it physically in the body, yeah. like that pulling, that tense, that fragmented, the compression. Right. Mm-hmm. And that emotion is just a, like an insecurity, right? We all have at our core this basic, like, I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is doing better than me. Like, we all have it to some degree, unless wow. you're a narcissist, yes. I suppose. <laughs> right. I don't coach narcissists. Um, <laughs> so, all my super moms definitely have it. That's why we work so hard and try to do everything right. And, oh, I can't leave a baby with the sitter. I have to do mm-hmm. everything myself. My house should be perfect clean it's we're all trying to like you know with our external world believe that somehow we're enough 
if did I do yeah. enough today? Do I accomplish my projects today? And so then we just put our self-care on the back burner because we're like, yeah, 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 that's not as important as being productive and busy and <laughs> clean and our kids getting straight A's sometimes will attach that to like, am I a good mom? Mm. Well, it depends on my children's grades. It depends on mm. how many hours my kids spend playing video games, because if it's too many hours, then I must be a bad mom. Like we can, mm. like, this is something that will continue <laughs> through the teen years. I so believe really, that. Yes. Yeah. It's good to address it when the baby is still a little wow. and you're just new to it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, can, I can feel that. So how would you like to feel when your husband makes a comment, a critical comment? Mm. Say? Yeah, I'd love to feel unattached to the comment. I would love for it almost to have not even landed on my ears mm-hmm. and to actually give more attention to the comments that I want to hear more of. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you want to be just kind of neutral, Sometimes mm-hmm. it helps to like set an intentional like emotion of like, how do I want to feel? What do I want to think oh. about when mm. he makes these comments? And we just kind of do it ahead of time. Oh. They start in our imagination and picture it happening. And oh. then when it happens, you're like, oh yeah, I remember. I have a plan for this rather than being on default setting. <laughs> right. So, uh, something well, comes to my mind. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, and, and this didn't happened one time and I'm, I'm surprised I'd forgotten about it until now but there was one time when there was a comment just like that I don't know if it was the broccoli was wasn't cooked enough but the spinach was too cooked and I I said oh is there something about the meal that you do like and I presented it almost in a sense in, in I presented it in a way that I would almost speak to a child not in a condescending way but sort of in a coaching way like even to help him to focus on what he is enjoying about the mm. meal. And it made me feel more empowered and less like I was making it about me. And then I was making it more about the, his experience and also kind of directing him how to, how to notice the positive and not immediately go to the thing that's out of place. And that felt good because that's what I would really like for my husband to grow in. But that's, that's the feeling I would like to have is to not make his experience mean something about me that isn't right. true. Yeah. Right. So what if when he makes a comment, a critical comment, what if your thought is, I can love him, even if he has a critical mm. comment? Yeah. Like I can still love him. And then it's like, so it's about him. The focus is on him. Well, how can I love him right now? Huh. And maybe it's like, you're saying like, focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. What do you like about the meal? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the things I like to do at the dinner table, especially when the meal I cooked is uh, less than satisfactory because I can get pretty, oh, I used to have lots of perfectionism around cooking and I would like take everything personally and cry and beat myself up to a pulp if my things didn't go well. So I have a lot of experience in that. And so what I started doing when this happens at the dinner table is whether it was me noticing or him saying something is like, you know, I don't like this. This is, you know, it's not, it's overcooked. It's undercooked, whatever. Is I would switch and say, what's the best meal you've ever had? (laughs) And when you go to a sensory experience in the past that was delicious and delightful and you start talking about it, like, oh, I remember these bacon wrapped shrimp I had in Mexico. And oh yeah, I remember this avocado pie, whatever. Like, and you start kind of like 
reminiscing, hmm. it's um you don't even notice that it's overcooked because your brain wow. is taken over with all these like sensory pleasure experiences, huh. and our brain doesn't know the difference between real and imaginary. Huh. So if you're imagining wonderful meals and you're eating terrible meals, it seems to like to transform it. <laughs> wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's what you're focusing on in the moment, isn't it? Yeah. And so when you're in like fear, fear that he's going to leave me, fear he's going to think I made a mistake, fear that I'm not good enough, then you can't also be in love. Wow. It's and I, I suppose, yes, in that moment I am experiencing fear and it's it's becoming harder for me to extend love because I'm focused on what I'm perceiving as him not loving me. <laughs> so to shift that and then to extend love instead of to demand love in the way that I want. Mm-hmm. It's, it's clicking what you're saying. It's making sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're, you're pulling inward as a way to like protect yourself. That fight, flight, or freeze response yeah. is that protection into the brain of like, Ooh, I'm just going to pull inward, internalize, and then beat myself up for being too sensitive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So let's take this. It's like, I want to feel loving, joyful, mm-hmm. it's intentional emotion I want to feel. And mm-hmm. if you're feeling that way and you're thinking thoughts like, oh, I love my husband. I love being married to him. He loves being married to me. He seems to still want to be married to me. Go figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> still here again t- today. Okay. <laughs> we'll just go with it. And you're feeling pretty light, pretty good. But... Then you're, uh, let's say, locked in the house on shelter in place and feeling like you want to do something. Hmm. What is coming up for you lately that you feel like you would love to do, but you haven't been able to do? Hmm. Yes, I think the word, if I could, if it could be embodied by a word, it would be freedom and freedom in the sense that I have the opportunity to even do something so simple as go for a walk, which today has, you've been so gracious to meet with me uh, while I've had to make a trip to the air force base, you know, um, that, that sometimes things just have to fit where they do. But I think at times I get stuck in feeling that I can't do something for myself because there's too many things to get done. I can't leave the house unless it's clean or... Oh, really? You can't leave the house unless it's clean? I think it's my husband... your prison guard? Please tell me. Yes, Gertrude is back. Gertrude, hello. You're a prison warden, I see as well. So mom's not allowed to leave the house unless it's clean, huh? I often think, well, if my husband gets home before me and he sees that the house is like this, he'll be frustrated and then I'll be frustrated. And But I find that if I stay at home, I'm going through the same cycles with my baby of diapering and feeding and napping and cleaning up the mess. And then he gets up and all those things start over. So I feel at times like it's just hard to get up and above the things that I need to do. Do you think logically that your husband would rather have a clean house than a happy wife? Mm. No, I mean that what you that makes sense. He would much rather have a happier happier wife. And sure, is he going to come in and be like, "Oh my gosh, what happened here? A bomb went off." But if you are happy, free and loving towards huh. him, yeah. How might that change the experience of the messy house? Yes, it'll actually feel like less like competition. At, at times it feels that I'm trying to compete to do as much as he's doing. 
and I'm sure that stresses him out too. Yeah, it's. I actually wrote that down. You said, uh, I better make sure I'm pulling my weight. So what that thought does is it sets huh. us up to like, no matter what we do, it has to be really, really hard. Hmm. I have to pull my weight that I can't sit on the couch and enjoy myself. I can't take a leisurely stroll because I he's working hard. So I do too. And mm. oh my goodness, did I have this one. And my husband would come home from work and I would just tell him everything that went wrong, everything that was stressful, everything I didn't get to sleep, I didn't get to, and I would focus negative, 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 thinking, because yeah. this is what women do, we commiserate. Huh, right. You know, if you and I got together and you started complaining about like being at home with a one-year-old and dishes and laundry and, you know, the circular tasks of life, I, I'm not going to say to you, oh, well, I, I don't have that problem. I just call the nanny or yeah, my house is always clean. Like mm-hmm. that would be rude, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For girlfriends yeah. to do to each other. Yes. But what I've learned is that husbands are different than girlfriends. Mm-hmm. The reason they're working so hard is so that we can stay home and take care of their children. Wow. They work hard so that they can come home to a peaceful, happy house. Wow. Where people are grateful mm. for their hard work. Wow. <laughs> Nurturing, yeah, that's a... loving. Wow. How how did you how did you come to understand that? It took my husband explaining it about 55 times <laughs> before I finally believed him. Wow. He's like, yeah. I want you to be happy. I'm like, but you come home grumpy. Mm. You come home so stressed it Mm. feels rude to be happy if you're stressed right yeah he's like no that's what I want wow (laughs) yeah it's right yeah so it's beautiful how simple it is you know I'm excited to hopefully embody that and and try it out and step into that all right so how are you going to take this forward today Yes. Um, I think one practice that I've just begun is to actually sit down every day and write out what my fears and my resentments are so that I have them out and off of me. And then I say a little prayer, just committing those to God and asking him to remove them and to give me, you know, knowledge and the power to carry out what's best. Mm -hmm. And then that way I find I don't carry that into the next conversation with my husband because I I recognize that stress happens but it doesn't necessarily have to happen in those conversations where we're coming together at the end of the day because you're right I think then that it feels like more of a burden to him whereas if I can just somehow in a in a private practice with myself resolve those those heavy weights then I don't have to dump them on him so that's one thing that lately I've been trying to practice and it only takes five minutes you know maybe once or twice a day but that's just you know one tool that I've just begun to try so I think journal writing is huge if you are in any transition you go through in life that's the best time to pull out a journal because you got to get it out on paper it gets out of your head and onto paper where then at least you got a little distance and sure. you can take a look at it. You can see it. It just feels like it's not as overwhelming 
Yeah. So doing like a brain dump on paper and just like I said, dump all the fears and resentments out, get it yes. out of your head. And then, you, you, you know, when you want to just really take a look, like you've got so many thoughts in there that maybe Gertrude has been planting in your brain. Yeah. I got to stay on top of things. I'm not living up to it. He disapproves of me. I need to clean. So one of the worst things for us as humans is powerlessness. Yes. When we feel like we are imprisoned, we're not free. We have no power and we're just like help. Like that is the worst thing for us, just our human psyche. So especially during this shelter in place time, Hmm. you've got to make sure your mind is not imprisoned. (laughs) So when you're telling yourself, I can't leave unless the house is clean and you've Hmm. got a one-year-old, it's never going to be clean. Yeah. Or it's clean for five minutes. And you're like, I'm a bad mother unless my house is clean. It's like, Mm. it's just exhausting. Mm -hmm. It affects your sleep, your ability to rest, enjoy this time of your life, enjoy this little shelter in place. So you want to make sure that your mind is always free. Like Mm. I could do anything I want to do. And with a baby, it's hard. We think, oh, I can't. I need to be here every second. But just to remind yourself, like, mm. I could walk out this door and never come back. Mm. I choose not to wow. because I love my baby. Yeah, I want to be in this house. I choose mm. to stay indoors because I don't want to spread the disease because I care about our hospitals and our health workers and our elderly and those with compromised immune systems. And because I love them, mm. I'm choosing to stay indoors. Mm. That if I could say anything, if I could take anybody listening out there and shake you, mm. <laughs> this is what I would say. Do not do this. I used to do it to myself every mm. summer, especially like once school, when the kids are little, I did it all the time. But then you get a little taste of freedom when they go to school. Mm. And then they come home and you're like, I can't leave. I'm stuck in the house. Yeah. I have to be here every second of every day and I can't go anywhere. So any moms out there with older kids, school age kids who feel stuck, do mm. not imprison yourself in your mind. Wow. Just know I choose to be here. I want to be here. I love being here. Once mm. you feel free, then you start noticing opportunities you never noticed before. Hmm. Like I wow. can go for a hike. I can go. I live in Northern California where the beaches are deserted. It's not Florida beaches with are filled uh-huh. with people. There's nobody on these beaches. I can go to a beach. I can go play tennis with my kids and I can go like, there's so many options that I could do that. I'm not stuck. Even though we tell ourselves we are, we really got to watch that internal sense of freedom. All right. Well, I have lost internet connection with Maggie. So I'm going to say thank you so much, Maggie, for joining me. It was perfect timing. If we're going to lose internet connection, that was great to happen at the end of the call. And thank you everybody for listening. You are free. Just remember to stay in love, make choices that you like for you. And what I'm going to suggest for Maggie and everybody else is something I call the Supermom Challenge. I am going to put in the show notes here how to sign up for the Supermom Challenge. And maybe we'll do it on Facebook too. It'd be nice to kind of do that together. What it is, is it's a journal entry that you do every day for seven days. And it starts to build the habit of tuning into yourself. 
So do the brain dump, like Maggie's talking about, get all your fears and resentments on the paper. But this is kind of taking it to the next step. Like after you get all the yuck out, then you want to take a look at, well, what am I missing? What do I love? What am I yearning for? Everybody's in transition right now. We're all, it's like becoming a new parent. We're all learning how to live in the time with kids at home and coronavirus. And we're all trying to figure this out. So it's a great time to tune inward and really pay attention to what are you yearning for? What do you miss? What do you need that you're not getting? And we just forget to ask ourselves those questions when we're surrounded by children because the kids are always like, hey, mom, listen to me over here. I want this. I want that. And we pay attention to them. But our kids are asking us like, mom, what do you miss? <laughs> what do you yearn for? What do you want to eat for lunch? What do you want to do today? Like our kids are not asking us those questions. And so we stop asking ourselves those questions. And the Supermom Challenge will get you back into the habit of asking those questions. So I will post that in the show notes. It's uh, lifecoachingforparents.com slash challenge. And you all take care out there. Stay healthy. Stay well. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.